After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh, you know, 
Come and stand beside my 
Good Shabbos, 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 Good
In the AM. Oh, yes. That is uh, Aisha's Heil done by uh, 613. You heard Schlockapella and Dust in the Wind. Eitan Katz had Bowie. Uh, Cole Zimra with Bowie Vishalom. Um, what else did we have there? Uh, Cole Zimra. Leif Tahar had Anamiz Miros. You heard Ahavas done by uh, the cast of Kumsitz in the Rain. Katonti was Ari Goldwagon from Regesh. Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. J.M. the A.M. for our Friday. It's Erev Shabbos on this May 12th, day 16 in the month of E.R., the year 5777, Tuf Shinai and Zion. Today is day number 31 in the counting of the Omer, four weeks and three days. Today is day number 31. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos, Parsha's M.R. with candle lighting in New York at 743, 743 is candle lighting time. Sunday, of course, is Lagba Omer. Amazing selections by Avrami tomorrow night on Saturday Night Seagull. That happens tomorrow night starting at, um, starting at, well, after Shabbos, right. And um, Matis with JM Sunday, right, Avrami will start at 9 p.m. And Matis with JM Sunday starting at uh, 7 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday morning with a Lagba Omer 
musical celebration. Sunday's also Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And don't forget, Monday starts our fundraising marathon. We're asking everybody to give generously to keep us going here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, we depend on you like we depend on you every single year. If you'd like to uh, give immediately, you go to the website fjbunity.org. That's Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. And uh, otherwise, um, please return the envelope that you've gotten in the mail. And uh, Monday, we'll start to um, ramp up our plea for uh, financial security here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, that happens on Monday. A week from Monday, of course, Yom Yerushalayim week. We are getting ready for an amazing YY50 in Israel. Uh, 50 degrees, partly cloudy, a high 62. Lane, a light rain late today with a low of uh, 50. And then tomorrow looks like a big rainy Shabbos in our area with a high of 52 degrees. Yeah. 75 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 50 here in uh, New York City as we say good morning. At JM in the AM. Today's a big day because um, Malcolm Holmline is going to join us for the weekly update with all the latest news, etc. That happens at about 7.40 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin will join us for Parsha's MR, and I'm told he'll also join us to discuss his brand new book. Rabbi Yudin has a brand new book, Gateways to Greatness. And um, let's see. Gateways to Greatness is a Mosaic Oppress Feldheim release. It is out there. It is brand new. Um, and uh, we'll speak to Rabbi Yudin about it. It's called Gateways to Greatness. Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, Gateways to Greatness. We'll speak to him in our third hour this morning here at JM in the AM. Naomi Nachman, of course, with Table for Two coming up. That'll happen at uh, that'll happen at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Right after JM in the AM. Today, Naomi uh, interviews Michelle Gindy of Buddha Bowls. Buddha Bowls and Burpees. I hope I have that pronounced properly. And Chaya Suri Leitner of Spice and Zest. They are both Naomi's guests between 9 and 10 o'clock. You can see it video form on the homepage at alchemsegal.com and hear it, of course, audio form through all of our platforms. Plenty more coming up. Keep it here on a uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, with Lagba Omer very, very close by at JM in the AM.
In the AM, Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. It's got a great call from uh, Rabbi Kramer. I want to wish a mazel tov to Hillel Kramer of Edison, New Jersey, and Sarah Eagle of New Rochelle. Their wedding is Sunday. On Lag Boomer, mazel tov, Hillel Kramer of uh, Edison, Sarah Eagle of New Rochelle. To the Kramer and Eagle families, we say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also, last night I spoke with Zev Brenner. My wonderful friend, and um, the Brenner family is celebrating the engagement of Lizzie Brenner to Sam Zakai. A couple of uh, Upper West Side families to the Brenners, to um, Adina and Zev and the entire family, and to the Zakai family of uh, the Upper West Side. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM and the AMC. A recently engaged couple getting married, Bezrat Hashem, later on. In 2017. Uh, That was a wonderful piece of news. Mother's Day is Sunday. Wishing everybody a happy Mother's Day. All the moms out there. Candlelighting on the Sarah Shabbos Parsha's MR743 here in the New York area. Want to wish a very special Mazel Tov to the Hirshhorn and Shapira families. Dr. Hirshhorn, who is uh, not only a listener and a regular listener of this show and of this network, but somebody who um, essentially tells the entire world, as the proverbial saying goes, how incredible the Nahum Siegel Network is, and we are indebted to him for that. Uh, and the Hirshhorns are celebrating a big simcha. This coming Sunday, Michal Hirshhorn of Elizabeth, New Jersey, Aaron Shapira of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they'll be getting married. We take this opportunity to wish a very, very special Mazel Tov to Ali Sheva and Dr. David Hirshhorn and Elizabeth and to Marilyn and uh, Ralph Shapiro down in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Again, the wedding is Sunday. We say Mazel Tov and enjoy Lagbo. Boy, will they be enjoying Lagbo, Omer. And again, a special thank you and Mazel Tov uh, to Dr. Hirshhorn and his entire family from all of us 
here at JM in the AM. So a lot of big simchas, a lot of wonderful things going on. And we are thrilled that we're able to share them with everybody here as we get closer and closer to uh, Lag Omer. JM in the AM at a quarter before 7 o'clock as we continue with uh, AKA Pella. Oh, see 
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, that's uh, from 613. Uh, before that, you heard Shlomo Kalbach's Rav Ravine, Eight Chaim, done by A.K.A. Pella. Regesh and Shalom Aleichem, Aishas Chayel, was also 613. Friday morning, J.M. and the A.M., hello, hello, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. I uh, want to wish a Mazel Tov to Michal Hershorn, Aaron Shapira. They're getting married on Sunday. Special Mazel Tov to the Hershorn family in Elizabeth. And the Shapiras down in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, Malcolm Holmline will be uh, coming up. We'll do our uh, weekly update. Check out what's happening in this amazing world of ours. And plenty more, as you would suspect, on this uh, Friday morning Erev Shabbos. Do we have our news from Israel in the background? I can't even tell anymore. Uh, Hopefully, in fact, we will in just a moment or so. Oh, there we go. Tomorrow night, Avrami has a a wonderful um, Jewish music program, Saturday Night Seagull, perfect for a Lagba Omer. Don't forget that Mark Zamek is hosting a live lunch today. Mark Zamek in a Friday Erev Shabbos live lunch brought to you by our friends at Kedem. He'll be doing that at uh, 1 p.m. this afternoon, Eastern Time. Mark Zamek and the Friday live lunch in the midst of the Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix, which is the uh, Erev Shabbos soundtrack for the Jewish world right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for... There we go. <laughs> Are we going to maintain this or not? Looks like we're having trouble ga- keeping the signal going here uh, with Gali Tal. Uh, give it another second or so, but it does not look like we're going to be able to present our news from Israel. It's It sounded like it was conking out <laughs> at some point a minute or so ago, and now it looks like it's uh, conked out permanently or at least permanently for us this morning. We'll give it one more shot and then move on to our number two of JM in the AM. Reminder, our fundraising marathon is a Monday. If you haven't yet been to the website, FJ, there we go. News from Israel next. (laughs) 
שני ישראלים שנכנסו לכפר הפלסטיני קוסרה סמוך לשכם חולצו בשלום. השניים חיילים בחופשה הועברו על ידי תושבים מקומיים לידי כוח צה"ל. נסיבות האירוע נבדקות. החשוד ברצח בת זוגו בשומרון ישוחרר למעצר בית בתנאים מגבילים. כתבתנו כרמל דנגור. החשוד חיים תנעמי בן 34 מהיישוב צופים בשומרון ישוחרר היום למעצר בית בתנאים מגבילים. זאת אף על פי שבית המשפט הורה להשאירו במעצר עד יום ראשון הקרוב. תנעמי נחשד שדחף את בת זוגו ורד קרמסקוי בת התשע עשרה ממכונית נוסעת וטען כי קפצה אל מותה. מהמשטרה נמסר כי החקירה נמשכת. קטטה המונית בין שחקנים לאוהדים באימון קבוצת הכדורגל הפועל תל אביב. כתבתנו פיי גוטמן. האוהדים שהגיעו לאימון קראו אל עבר השחקנים להילחם על כבוד הקבוצה. בעקבות תגובה של אחד השחקנים פרצה קבוצה של כ-50 אוהדים אל הדשא ותיגרה התפתחה במקום. אדם אחד נעצר. הרקע לאירוע הוא סכנת הירידה של קבוצת הפועל תל אביב לליג.
Shabbat Shalom It's nice to be at home Shabbat Shalom It's nice to be at home
J.M. in the A.M. I got my Shabbos from Shlakapella. <laughs> Gadol done by A.K.A. Pella. Yehuda Glanz with Aisha Schal. You heard Shlak Rock with Elio and Avi. Diaspora had Shabbat Shalom. Hineni Biyadcha was Ari Goldwagon. A.K.A. Pella with Hema to open up the hour. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing on this um, Friday morning? Erev Shabbos, Parsha's Emor. Candle lighting here at 743. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, 743 in this area. Sunday is Lagba Omer, Mazal Tov, and all the big Simchas. Want to wish a Mazal Tov to the Kramer and Eagle families. Hillel Kramer of Edison, Sarah Eagle of New Rochelle getting married. Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Want to wish a Mazal Tov to the Hirschhorn and the Shapira families. Michal Hirschhorn of Elizabeth, New Jersey. Aaron Shapira of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They're getting married Sunday. Lagba Omer, Bezrat Hashem. We say Mazal Tov. From all of us here at JM in the AM. Sunday is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And, of course, Monday begins our fundraising marathon. Everybody out there has an opportunity to support the great work of the Nachum Siegel Network and JM in the AM. All you got to do is, uh, well, you can actually go right now to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting site, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and you can pledge there. Or you can... Um, uh, answer the uh, envelope, the uh, mail that uh, you received uh, over the last couple of days with a generous donation, or you can uh, wait till next week when we really uh, rev up our fundraising uh, pitches, uh, whatever it is you wish to do. Oh, Dr. Mark's going to join us on Monday, by the way. Lave Ba'omer is uh, is tomorrow, and he uh, traditionally has given us a, a nice message on Lave Ba'omer about the heart, about the Lave. Uh, but he'll be joining us Monday uh, anyway, so we'll uh, we'll um, double dip, so to speak, and have him uh, not only speak about the uh, opening of our fundraiser, we'll have him speak about Leiva Omer as well here at, um, at JM in the AM. Or I should say at least a, a healthy heart tip, that's for sure. Partly cloudy, high 62. We're at 50 right now. Yerushalayim is at 75. We are at 50. Rabbi Yudin's out with a brand new book, Gateways to Greatness. We'll have a chance to speak with him for a few minutes about it in the 8 o'clock hour, Gateways to Greatness. Rabbi Benjamin Yudin will also join us, of course, regarding Parsha's MR. And Malcolm Holmline is just minutes away. It's the uh, 
weekly update with the Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us as we uh, get ready for a... um, as we get ready for a weekly update on this Friday morning Erev Shabbos. All right, so lots going on. Plenty more happening on a Friday if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Hashem, watch over your soul, guiding every step along your way. May you hold deep in your heart, the Ahava Hashem gives you every day. May the light of Shemayim above reflect in your eyes, so you'll see. Give a 
Sam Glazer, Baruch Levine at Boy Vishalom. You heard Ari Goldwag with Curry Bone. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Parshas MR, day 31 in the counting of the Omer. If you got the count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Want to remind everybody the Mayan Yisrael um, Lagba Omer Parade and Concert in Flatbush happens this coming Sunday. Details if you uh, contact Mayan Yisrael. I want to wish a, a mazel tov to the honorees of the Young Israel Pesach Clifton Dinner of Tribute, Drs. Carl and Miriam Singer, Mr. and Mrs. Adam and Gila Negnowitzki. Mazel tov. That's happening Sunday at the Young Israel Pesach Clifton. Regards to Rabbi Glasser and company there from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, want to again wish a mazel tov to Michal Hershorn and to Aaron Shapira, Michal from Elizabeth. Daughter of Elisheva and Dr. David Hershorn, and uh, from Philly, uh, Marilyn and Ralph Shapira, parents of Aaron. Mazalta, that wedding takes place at Lagba Omer this coming Sunday. Mazalta from all of us here at JM in the AM. I mentioned uh, earlier Mazalta to uh, my colleague Zev Brenner. Uh, he and his wife Adina are celebrating. Lizzie Brenner is engaged to Sam Zakai. Mazalta to the Brenner and Zakai families, Upper West Side, from all of us here at JM in the AM. A lot of big simchas going on, and we're glad that uh, this Lagbomer season has already started with some wonderful news. want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, who uh, have uh, thousands of articles for you to print out before Shabbos. Uh, check it out. Go to JewishWorldReview.com and uh, see what they have to offer regarding uh, Israel and the Jewish world. Big thank you to OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com continues to utilize a lot of our content in their news feed, which includes a lot more than just simcha news these days. Check out OnlySimchas.com and enjoy their presentation uh, each and every day. It's well worth it. Don't forget, Monday starts our fundraising marathon for one week. We're going to do our fundraiser and support the Nahum Single Network and JM in the AM. If you have not, have not returned your uh, envelope yet with your donation, please do so. We could also log on immediately to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting site, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and participate in that way as well. 
Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Yeah, good morning. We are getting closer and closer to celebrating Yom Yushalayim number 50, inviting everybody from around the world to come and converge on Jerusalem May the 24th. That's the big day on the Hebrew calendar, the 28th of ER as we get set to celebrate uh, something you'll only be able to celebrate once in a lifetime. That's the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. So everybody out there, make sure to uh, either be there or pay careful attention to our programming so you can be part of the uh, inspiring uh, programming that's going to be coming out of Jerusalem. Also, I noticed, Malcolm, that uh, April was, we discussed this a drop last week, but April was a record-breaking month. 349,000 tourists from a whole host of countries around the world. China, by the way, in the top 10, no surprise to you, I'm sure. Uh, And uh, we continue to encourage people to visit Israel, plan those trips, and get there as soon as possible, whether it is May 24th or not. Uh, It is amazing how the entire world, and as you know, uh, fortunately and or unfortunately, not just the Jewish world, but it seems that the people from so many different backgrounds are taking advantage and flying to Israel. So that should continue, please, God. Why is that unfortunate in any regard? It's very fortunate. Well, I say, unf- fact, I, I say the- unfortunately because not enough American Jews are traveling to Israel. So, you know, I'm glad that non-Jews are going, but, you know, we'd love to see people from our background and tradition go more often. Okay, so I wanted to make sure that nobody misunderstands that, uh, in fact, uh, both non-Jewish tourism from America and around the world, and India, which also wants to sharply increase its tourism, uh, is facing a problem that countries like Iran and Pakistan and others are not allowing them to overfly in, or to get to Israel. So you would have an even sharper increase. It's expected that the 30,000 seats will be added from China to Israel and about 20,000 this year from India to Israel. Japan to Israel has increased a lot. Korea, um, certainly African travel. And uh, I will tell you that um, even from countries that uh, don't have formal relations with Israel, quietly more and more important people are coming and and um, feel very strongly about uh, their experiences in Israel. Oh, by the way, I'm glad you just mentioned that. Uh, speaking of experience with Israel, because it's going to creep up on us. Let me just take a second here to mention it. It's going to creep, creep on us, uh, up on us for a variety of reasons, including Amushalayim, including a big Shavuos holiday in the middle of the week. Celebrate Israel Parade, everybody. June the 4th on Fifth Avenue in New York City. June the 4th. Make sure to be there. Obviously, we will have, since we'll be broadcasting from there with our friends from Shari Tzedek, obviously we're going to have a lot more details, but I just wanted to put that in there. Uh, people should circle the calendars and get ready to support Israel here in New York City as well on uh, June the 4th. Well, senior U.S. sources have said that United States President Donald Trump has already decided to extend the order which prevents the United States Embassy in Israel from being transferred from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. If this is in fact true, and by the way, I have, I mean, with all the confusion about this issue in the last, I don't know how many years, 20, 30 years, and all the different reports and things that have been said, I cannot remember hearing so many conflicting reports on one issue, a symbolic issue, but such an important one. And it would be terrible, I think most would agree, it would be terrible if this opportunity uh, went by where we finally, as a community, as a worldwide Jewish community, felt that this man in the White House would, in fact, move that embassy. It would be terrible if this uh, next couple of weeks goes by and it's not done. Now, I will, I will ask you, Malcolm, do you have information that it is, in fact, the government of Israel that has asked the United States not to make this move? 
Okay, so first of all, I don't think it's symbolic. I think it's uh, very practical and very important. It's uh, an important message to the world. It doesn't change uh, very much if, in fact, the embassies move. We have two consular buildings there. We have a consulate there that is uh, large. And um, uh, so in that sense, I guess... Uh, that that is what you were referring to, but uh, the, this well, is an I historic said... wrong. Uh, one second, this is an historic wrong that needs to be corrected. And for too long, the waiver built into the '95 legislation, which we accepted at the time because it was the only way to get the unanimity and and support and have the president allow it to go into law. But frankly, I don't believe the expectation would be that 20 years later we'd be looking at it and still seeing that every six months it was waived. And many people, I think, thought that this the President Trump, and we don't know yet what what is going to happen, um, would at least allow not exercise the waiver, even if he doesn't announce on his current trip that they will be going, that they will move the embassy to Israel. In regard to the second question, that I can answer authoritatively, that the government of Israel did not, did not oppose uh, moving the embassy or a declaration regarding the embassy. And if you notice that even King Abdullah said that he would not oppose uh, having an embassy in West Jerusalem, which many people then thought may have been a, you know, part of a preparatory uh, development towards an announcement of some kind. Uh, and the the, uh, up, the new ambassador said that he would split his time between the King David and the Tel Aviv home was also seen as a sign. And, and uh, I, I think it was regrettable that so much was made of it at the beginning and, and even before the uh, government began, uh, rather than allowing this thing to, to just become a reality, which, every, which has shown everybody that nothing is going to change. The declarations of the recognition of West Jerusalem, though, is not helpful. As the Russian case, which I cited, I think, two weeks ago when yeah. we discussed it, uh, proved because the Russian declaration then makes all of East Jerusalem Palestinian. Right. And that is not acceptable. Understood. And I use the word symbolic because, uh, it, it, for the most part, as you just described, there would be not much of a change. Right. They will wake up the next morning and everybody would yeah. have seen that nothing has and, changed. So I'm still hopeful that you know, something meaningful can come and of, of this. But, you know, of all the issues, I'm sure there are others also that uh, are going to be big priorities. So we'll see how it all balances out. I know there are a lot of issues, and many of them are big priorities, but this is a very important one to Jews around the world, especially uh, here in the United States. And to, and as I, the one who who really pushed the 95 legislation and for decades fought, fought for the embassy to be moved, um, the, the recognition is so is important not because Israel needs to be told that you, this is what your your uh, where your capital is, but if the United States moves, maybe others would follow, and then Jerusalem uh, as the capital would be again recognized as it was in the past when many embassies were located there. And the big deal, so to speak, was made by the White House. I mean, this yeah. is you know again both before I mean, not maybe not during, but certainly before. Uh, President Trump took office. It was a, it was it was the big deal was made by him and his campaign. Um, I, I would I would and by the way, the vice president of the United States came out with a statement where he he's assuming it is still going to be done, which is also interesting because if in fact the president has decided not to do it, and the vice president says that they that his administration is obligated to in fact move it as promised during the election campaign, that could be very interesting. Well, I was there when the vice president at the White House ceremony marking Yom Atzmaut, which was itself 
a very important event uh, hosted by the vice president. Uh, but he said there in very emphatic terms, actually, that the president is actively engaged now in, in the consideration of moving the embassy. He didn't say he would, didn't say when he would, but it was a, a pretty uh, forceful statement on his part, and he has been a very longtime supporter uh, uh, of this. So we will see and uh, what will happen. The president's uh, going to be in Israel all of 30 hours, I think, He's going to be visiting um, Masada, where he's going to make a major address, which has become also controversial because they say, why doesn't he speak in the Knesset? Um, I remember that President Obama, when he went, did not speak in the Knesset, but that was because there was concern about the reaction, that there could be negative reaction there, and they didn't want to have any embarrassing situation. Uh, he will also obviously uh, meet with the president and prime minister but all, and visit the Kotel, uh, all of which are very important in his presence there. He will also go to Bethlehem and supposedly meet Abbas, and perhaps there will be a three-way meeting. As Abbas has said, he would meet Netanyahu if Trump, uh, President Trump is there or convenes it. Um, but again, we'll have to see a lot, of, a lot of balls in the air in this regard. For a lot of people, it's gonna, that, that would put a real damper on Yom Yerushalayim week, frankly, if, if there's a three-way meeting. Well, I think there's going to be a tamper in terms of the traffic jams in Jerusalem. There are no hotel rooms available because the president brings a very large entourage, which cleared out some some of the hotels. And um, but I think it, the fact that the president is going so early in his term, and uh, as opposed to I think President Obama uh, didn't go till till the second term, and and uh, it's an important declaration. In fact, he's going to Saudi Arabia and hopefully meet. Uh, also, with some of the other Arab leaders there, uh, like the pres- like President Sisi and King Abdullah, and the, the um, and then he'll go to the Vatican. So he's covering the three religious bases. Wow. Uh, soon, I'll have to do the Buddhists and Hindus and everybody else too. I guess I'm going to be bunking in with one of the Secret Service guys. So don't try to get anywhere near me. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you weren't planning on spending much time with me, huh? Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you, with, for a trip that for, you know, for the um, actively, uh, for the active supporters of Israel, for the trip that was really going to be, you know, a, a tremendous celebration, without the embassy move and and possibly with a, a three-way meeting that has a certain tone, it could completely change the tone of that week, and that would be quite a shame. The other thing I want to tell you is that um, if in fact, and I, I have to agree at least partially if not completely with the commentators who've said this, if in fact the Prime Minister of Israel has not asked the President of the United States to postpone this whole issue regarding the embassy, then that's a, a, a real condemnation of American Jewish leadership. I mean, if, if, if American Jewish leadership in Washington with all the lobbying and all the efforts and all the, and all the meetings and all the ceremonies are not able to work their way to the president if they have if in fact they have the backing of the Prime Minister of Israel on this and convince him to, to make this one move, I think it, I I just says it speaks volumes about the weakness of our of our community in Washington at this point. I don't agree and uh, I, I certainly don't think it's a condemnation of anybody. Uh, it's a decision that the the White House and the White House alone makes. They've been they've heard from everybody um, and uh, I think that will be the, the decision. Then you have to deal with wh- why it is. It's not because you can't, you never can dictate to a president, nor should any community dictate uh, their will. 
to make their views known, certainly, is, and that the Jewish community has done. Members of Congress have done it. The, um, the same was true with the Republican president. It was true before with the Democratic president, before that with the Republican president. This is not a new issue, and I think it's, it's um, not a correct reading. The, the fact is that, that overall, I would say, there is a, an important point to, to, to your comment, and that is that the, that the Jewish community in the United States does not advocate on Jerusalem overall throughout the year, not just on the issue of the embassy, but of uh, constant references. We saw uh, this week how uh, Khamenei uh, and uh, Erdogan and others in speeches all talk about, and, and Erdogan in his case talked about Muslims having to flood Jerusalem, flood Al-Aqsa, that every day that's not in, in Muslim hands is a, an embarrassment. Uh, I mean, I wonder how many, how many rabbis, how many leaders, how many others have got get up as constantly and keep the focus on, um, on Jerusalem. They name Al-Quds brigades, they name things uh, for, for, uh, for Jerusalem, yeah. so we have to do more in, in, in that regard. I get all. Uh, I get all of that. Now, and but, also, but for a while, we have but, to look at where what what is happening on other aspects of this issue. Abbas it, it has supposedly told the president that he wants to pick up the negotiations where um, former Prime Minister Olmert left off in 2008, and he supposedly showed a maps of how of, of the adjustments that they had agreed upon or were proposing. Uh, as you know, he, he he walked away. So it, this is a, an important issue, and and I think uh, the fact that Abbas is going to Russia uh, to lobby, I guess, Putin and to and to keep everything in balance so that the Russians don't he doesn't, doesn't alienate the Russians by the fact that he meets with uh, President Obama uh, and and the uh, Netanyahu, by the way, had a long conversation with Putin. We talked about uh, Syria mostly, about the safe zones that have been proposed not become bases for Iran and Hezbollah along Israel's borders. And he said he didn't oppose the safe zones per se, but can't allow them near the border, both with in the Golan and near the border with Jordan, uh, which would endanger uh, Jordan as well. Well, we have about a thousand prior examples that would show that that's exactly what they're going to become. <laughs> well, that could become right, and, and Israel has, uh, you know, taken actions in the interim. Uh, by the way, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs uh, staff of staff, um, uh, General Dumford, was there in Israel again, talking about Syria and about ISIS in Sinai and other areas where the United States and Israel, you know, are cooperating. It doesn't get as much coverage and attention as it should, but it's a uh, you know, very strong uh, meetings, very positive meetings. It's his third visit as the chairman uh, of the Joint Chiefs to to Israel. And they talked about Iranian transfer of sophisticated weapons issues uh, uh, of great significance uh, to Israel. All right, I'll let go of this issue now after I just say that um, uh, for a White House that's described as an, as an inner circle around the president, which is the most pro-Israel ever, and real advocates and people who are who are uh, you know lovers of Israel surrounding the president related to the president etc 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 it would be i believe a terrible uh, mark on american jewish leadership if in fact he decides to postpone the decision it's america's one on the embassy it's america's one and only jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at nachomsegel.com on the nachomsegel network and of course on the beloved NSN app. So we know that there will be obviously a meeting with the Prime Minister. There will be a meeting with Mahmoud Abbas. You've mentioned his uh, public statement that he's ready to negotiate, ready for a peace 
uh, a peace discussion based on the 2008 discussion with um, uh, with Prime Minister Omer. Do you think the President of the United States thinks that the Prime Minister of Israel is ready for uh, for this meeting? Do you think that uh, he'll have any trouble getting Bibi to agree to a three way conversation if he uh, if he proposes it? Well, it may play. Uh, I don't know. I don't believe in principle that he won't, because Bibi has always said he's prepared to meet at any time, and he, I think. He would consider this a friendly president and uh, supportive. Uh, I think, though, that it would depend. If Abbas sets preconditions, as he is now, one of them being this uh, this uh, new twist of starting where they left off in 2008, he walked away from the talks at the time just to remind everyone, you can't go back. You, you walk away, and then you think that you can just pick up the the game wherever you left it off, no matter what has happened in the interim, and much has. I think the, he, he is trying to insist on a release of prisoners and uh, freeze and settlements and uh, the, 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 uh, some assurance that the, the state will be created in the 67 border lines, and he wants a time frame. Those are some of the issues that he's raised. I, I don't know if, if he has made these preconditions to this kind of meeting, but he has uh, said this um, before his, meeting, his visit to Washington uh, about um, and uh, about what he would consider important as a precondition, and he always plays the card of being the weak, about being, you know, uh, under siege, and, and it is true, but he's not under siege from Israel, he's under siege from his own colleagues who see the the kleptocracy, the failure, his lack of leadership, the the fact that he is uh, not a legitimately elected uh, official at this point, uh, having already more than uh, outstayed his uh, electoral term by three times, and the, the split with, with Gaza and Hamas is intensifying, we've seen all sorts of incidents there now. Uh, so he, but he will always play this card. And and one president has to finally say, you're not necessarily better than the alternative. If this is the way you have misled your people, forget about all the terrorism, etc. If you're not willing even to commit to what you know, a hundred percent of Congress wants to see, and the administration wants to see, and that is an end to the funding and the money going to terrorists. And, and encouraging them and, and rewarding them and idealizing them in in such blatant ways. And now to say, well, he's he's going to try and find a way to make it a social welfare payment instead. That subterfuge he pulled before, he put the money through the PLO. That has got to be an absolute condition. And frankly, I think there has to be a statement that there will be no meetings until he... Uh, until he does this. I was invited to, to a reception in Washington when he was here, and my answer to them was, until this matter is resolved, at least this matter, I will not go and pay tribute to, to him. And I think that, you know, this is such a... It, it's almost unprecedented. I don't know if in other countries, maybe Iran, you can find some similar policy. <laughs> and, and, and you know, it, it, and you have the outrage of people are speaking about it in Congress's the Taylor Force Act and other things which hopefully will, will get enacted. And, and yet he gets away with it all the time. This is not a man committed to peace. I met I mean, every week with Arab leaders now. I mean, literally every week. They have no regard for him. They, they feel bad that the Palestinian people have paid the price of all the billions of dollars in aid annually. The budget of the PA is four point $2 billion a year, I think. Uh, they get $2 billion in foreign assistance and from taxes, and, and the rest they don't raise because they have destroyed the economy. It doesn't want to even see a strong economy, and the people who are demonstrating that you read about are not against it, demonstrating against Israel today. They're demonstrating 
against the PA. And I, I even saw the, a really interesting story about this. You know, the Egyptians destroyed a big tunnel in, in on the border in in Rafa between Egypt and the Gaza and Gaza Strip. And they were complaining, and one of the leaders of Hamas said, I, I almost yearned for the days when Israel was in control. Yeah, you well, know why? Because they were driving BMWs, Mercedes, it was so big, you, and now there's a shortage of luxury cars for the leaders of Hamas and the others who rip off their uh, people, and, and they were using this tunnel, seriously, for bringing in all these luxury vehicles. Oh, I believe it. And there are many. There's in the hundreds of thousands, if not more, that would say that they would prefer if Israel was in control, and you know that. Yep. Um, uh, what, do you, what do you make of the um, of Marwan Barghouti stretching the truth somewhat on about his hunger strike? Well, he has stretched the truth into lies for many years. This is and and the whole thing, uh, uh, the way the media has presented it. I know some would say that this is a perfect example of uh, what they call the fake news. This is not about the rights of prisoners. The people, the prisoners in Israeli jails, have the best conditions, maybe than anywhere but Sweden or or somebody. You know that they each one has the right individually to have a lawyer to go to a lawyer to represent them to bring a case before the courts if they think they're being mistreated. They, in fact treated, uh, according to many, much too softly, and and the, they have the right to communicate there, they have, they function fully, and Burgundy in particular, who is serving five lifetimes, uh, life sentences, and his, for the, him, this was a purely a political move, his numbers were declining, and uh, with the prospect that Abbas might at uh, some point step down, that he wants to assert uh, his leadership, and that's why he started this thing. And only about a sixth of the prisoners joined him. And then there was this uh, picture, video, which some claim real, not real, whatever, showed him eating um, while others were, were fasting. Yeah, well, I guess you shouldn't expect any better from him, huh? Um, the, <laughs> the, the, oh, I don't know what he broke his fast on, by the way. I thought they'd give that detail. Uh, candy bar. Oh, actually, I think they did say that, right. Um, the French election, so Macron wins. Interestingly enough, the polls got it right this time, which is interesting. Uh, and I'm wondering, not just the, the fact that Le Pen obviously is not the leader, you, you said that uh, that more regionalized or parliamentary elections would be even more fascinating regarding what happened this past Sunday, if you can comment on that. And also, uh, now that he's going to be in power, any difference in terms of France's role in the uh, in the quartet or in the peace process? Uh, does he have a different attitude than his predecessor? Anything you tell us about that? Well, he's not that known a quantity in terms of the Middle East. He he did make strong statements during the campaign, but there have been expressions of concern from French Jewish leadership uh, since then about some of the people associated with him. Uh, I would say it's a big question mark right now. Hollande was not a great friend of France. In fact, even in the last UNESCO vote, didn't couldn't you know screw up the courage to vote against it. Um, right. uh, uh, but I, I, one comment on what the outcome of the election was, right. and I, I looked at the numbers, and it, it's not quite the way it's portrayed because 25 percent of the people didn't vote. Usually, um, it, the number that don't vote is very small, under 20 percent. Here, more than 25 percent did not vote. That's one. Two, 11% of the ballots that were cast were dismissed. Many of them did not put in a candidate for, for president. So the percentages look 
don't look quite as bright when you see the the or when you take into account all of these numbers. It was a victory. Clearly, it was a rejection of Le Pen, perhaps more than support for for Macron. We already see some of the demonstrations are going on inside the inside France. We'll have to see whether this guy can really be a leader. Uh, and can uh, face the challenges. He doesn't have that much experience, and and uh, whether what the policy will be, I think we'll only know uh, once he takes office and meets the first challenges. Uh, Clearly, on the on the domestic scene, Jews were relieved right. and uh, did not want to see Le Pen win. Uh, and but but the parliamentary elections, as you mentioned, are coming up in June, and, and it'll be interesting to see, and it will obviously have a big impact. Uh, if uh, if let's say Le Pen or the others get uh, get a significant parliamentary position, and in Great Britain that uh, vote's going to happen on the eighth of June, and apparently Prince Charles is being encouraged not to visit Israel with an official state visit. Uh, that's what it seems that uh, that uh, Downing Street or or um, the Foreign Ministry or somebody has put a kibosh or tried to put a kibosh. I hope that after the elections he will still. He will reconsider and go. I know that I spoke to him about it during Shimon Peres' funeral, and as a result of my discussion and telling him that I had seen his grandmother's grave myself and that it was in a beautiful place and he should see it, he turned to his aides and he said, I want to see it. And they started shaking in their boots because he didn't have prior approval or anything. But he said to me, "Can can I see it from here? And I said, no, but you can go there. It's a very short ride. And uh, I think you will find it uh, um, very moving to see the location. And you know that his grandmother harbored Jews during World War II in her apartment in in Athens and saved the Jewish family and uh, asked and left in her will that she be buried in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. So we'll we'll have to see whether or not he, he actually gets to pay the visit or not, but it has been traditionally the policy and certainly of the you know, foreign ministry of Britain, whose history is well known, uh, opposed to any such visit. And on election news, I think it's a week from today. Is the Iranian election a week from today? I believe so. It is, and it's a very important election. Uh, we're seeing it heating up. Uh, the, the, um, the race between hardline and super hardline, that is the race, and don't be let people be fooled by any of the other things they hear or read. This is not a question of a moderate Rouhani. We know what Rouhani is. He executes more people than than Ahmadinejad did. He is uh, more hardline against the United States. He is, uh, and there's no indication either in human rights, domestic policy, international policy, that uh, that he is more moderate. And this election will have a lot of implications for who will succeed the supreme leader. And the um, and we also see it manifest in another way where there's been an increase in tension, and that's with Saudi Arabia. And there was very sharp exchanges this week between the deputy crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, uh, who attacked Iran and talked about their Shiite, uh, trying to establish Shiite hegemony uh, in the region. And he was uh, he was quite tough in, in the references that... Um, uh, that, that about them trying to to establish um, shared control over the Islamic world, and so he said Saudi Arabia won't wait for war, but will work um, so that the battle f- will will take place in Iran, not in Saudi Arabia. 
and this the Iranians countered with really strong attacks as well. The defense minister Egan uh, said that that um, uh, he said that if there's a conflict, nothing will be left of Saudi Arabia except and Medina. Well, it's pretty. Uh, and he criticized their relationship with the U.S. and uh, and obviously even uh, it, there were references to Israel, and th- so I think the the uh, those who try to say that the deal gave us uh, a more moderate uh, Iran a better deal, it, the deal is a subject that's being exploited by his opponents and saying that the, the people haven't seen any jobs any benefit from it, which is true because the benefit went to to the IRGC, Iran Revolutionary Guard, the government, and others who control 30 to 40 percent of the of the economy, and who I'm sure got the bulk of any benefit that they derive from all of the money that has come to them as a result of the deal. And I assume the U.S. is not weighing in on this election in terms of preference of candidate or anything like that? No, 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 no. no I haven't even seen any references to it, let alone any preferences. Um, the United States' relationship with Turkey, now with the Kurdish support coming from Washington, and, and, and it, this is a very, you've always described Turkey, United States, Turkey, Israel, uh, you consider it to be a very, very important relationships. Uh, so what do you make of its future after what happened this week? Well, first of all, uh, we should uh, remember what, uh, note what Erdogan said, which was a pretty strong statement against uh, about Jerusalem. There was a, uh, a foundation meeting. There's Each of the faiths has a foundation in Iran. I won't go into all of it. I did speak to Jewish leaders from Iran who were present. They said it wasn't quite the way it was reported. It was not as harsh as as was uh, reported. But clearly, he said they have to that Muslims should flood and Turks should flood uh, Al Aqsa. Um, he talked that every day that Jerusalem is under Jewish uh, and Israeli uh, control is an embarrassment and humiliation. So it was a very tough statement, and um, but not quite as as harsh, according to them, as was uh, as was reported. And now he's due to come here on uh, on the seventeenth, I think. Uh, we'll have to see if he actually if that meeting actually takes place, because he's very angry at the United States for its support of the Kurds and providing weapons uh, to the Kurds, and the um, you know the, who they consider their their enemy and. They've taken a lot of action, and they've been bombing uh, some of the same Kurdish uh, rebels in Syria that we are allied with. So that's a, a potentially very um, difficult situation, and, and one that certainly will, will come up if, if he does come and meet uh, with President Trump. And whatever happens in terms of the Turkish-U.S. relationship, we, we'd, ha- we'd have to assume that the Turkey-Israel relationship will go in the same direction? It will certainly uh, cast a shadow over what, uh, I mean, there have been improvements, and as you know, trade and everything continued um, uh, all this time anyway. Right. But the, uh, uh, yeah, I think that it's safe to say that if this, uh, if this visit doesn't go well, uh, that would that would color and and as will many other things, the regional competition and others, you know, when you compete, when these Muslim states compete with one another, Israel pays the price, generally. And the uh, and he has other problems, you know, that uh, Turkey is building a border along the, uh, its border with Iran, uh, which is something that we will could become a very contentious issue uh, as well. And the, the question of the future, what happens in Iraq, where we're seeing more and more resentment and rebellion against the Iranian domination, 
and the fact that the the um, their militia are taking over uh, that could be a very interesting uh, development to watch in the in the coming months as is the situation in Libya, where Iran is involved, Russia is involved, others are involved as well. By the way, those who argue, uh, because of the the media's fascination with the Trump-Putin relationship, those who argue that you know it, that if in fact there was, if there, in fact there was a, such a good relationship or one where you know where the president of the United States owed uh, the uh, the leader of Russia, uh, the likelihood is that President Trump would not have made that decision to uh, take the action in Syria that he did. Do you agree with that argument? No, I I, I don't think that um, that that would dictate what actions the United States uh, would take. America has its interests. Russia has its interests. And the Russians have been very cleverly implementing their policies to create a permanent presence, both with the naval and air force base, but more importantly, their uh, liaison with uh, with Iran and, and uh, becoming dominant force together with Iran's uh, allies. And, of course, Russia's support for Assad, so that in, in the end, when I believe there will be a confederation of, of states or regions in, in Syria, it won't be Syria as we knew it before. The Russians are counting on the Alawite area, which is where their base is as well, and supporting um, uh, the president, meaning Assad and his uh, forces, uh, to support that region in particular and protect areas of Damascus, etc., where the Alawites will, will maintain a position. And, and uh, so they have a long-term interest and a short-term interest. It it should not and does not coincide with Iran's interests. It, in fact, is in conflict and should be in conflict with Iran's interests, even though Putin you know, will follow whatever he de- de- determines and uh, and feels will advance his interests, and part of it is to have their footprint and to see a much more assertive position uh, with a naval base in Libya and with uh, other activities, and all of it done on a shoestring. Finally, do you, do you know if there's any practical difference between the uh, Israel Broadcast Authority, which was just you know broken up and, and, and ended as compared to the new one that's about to be founded? Will there be any difference to those who are watching TV and, and things in Israel? Oh, yeah, they, they've canceled shows. It's going to be revamped, according to ministers with whom I've spoken about it, because I got a lot of complaints from the journalists there, and people are very upset both about the way this was done and that it was done. Um, so there is likely to be uh, significant changes. They, they've let many people go. They retained, I think, 400 of them, and 600 or more were 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 retired, or some were given the right to reassign or to apply for civil service jobs. But um, it's, it's a, I think, a very sad situation for many people. Wow. All right. Uh, I thank you very much. Next week will be uh, another week closer to Yom Yerushalayim number 50 and the big celebration. I hope the entire world will pay careful attention to what's happening in Jerusalem during that week because, hey, it's time to celebrate. You know, we always well, say. It's Next week I will be in Jerusalem for, for right. our, our weekly broadcast, and before that I'll be in Azerbaijan and Georgia with the VAD and seeing the amazing schools that they built there and uh, meeting with the leaders of both countries. So we'll have a lot of uh, fresh information for you. All right, a lot to talk about. Thank you very much, Malcolm Honline. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Weekly update from Israel next week, as you heard, on the almost eve of Yom Yerushalayim, and certainly on the eve of uh, President Trump's visit to the Holy Land. Remember, next week is our fundraising marathon. It'll be a one-week affair. 
culminating next Friday. If you haven't yet uh, sent back your donation, uh, please log on to fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, which supports JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network, fjbunity.org, and participate with us. It'll end one week from today with our big celebration. Malcolm will join us via telephone from Israel. Reminder, Saturday night, Siegel, uh, tomorrow night with Avrami, Matis on Sunday, Lagba Omer starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time with JM Sunday. Mark Zamek and the Friday live lunch at 1 p.m. today brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem, part of our Erev Shabbos music mix right here at JM and the AM. And Rabbi Yudin is scheduled to join us live coming up after he addresses us regarding this week's Parsha, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Emor. Parshas Emor is a very rich parsha. According to the Chinuch, it contains 63 mitzvos, 24 positive 39 restrictions. It begins with the laws of Tumas Kohanim that we still observe today. Kohanim are not to go to a funeral, they're not to go to a cemetery. And interestingly, we learn which individuals, which relatives the Jew sits Shiva for by the Torah identifying which ones the Kohen is to be. Metame. Now, among the 63 mitzvos, you have the Parshas HaMoadim, the chapter of the various holidays, and the Torah goes chronologically. Pesach, Shavuos, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkos. And in between Pesach and Shavuos, as we are now, the Torah speaks about the mitzvah of counting the Omer. Now, interestingly, according to the Ramban, in his commentary, in this week's parsha, on chapter 23, Pasuk 36, the Ramban says that the days of the Omer are from the Torah happy days. And that's understandably so. Why? Because these are days of anticipation, yearning, and excitement. We're counting the days from our liberation, as marked by Pesach, to relive the moment of his revelation, Shavuos, to an entire nation something which was and still is unprecedented in the annals of world history. And our rabbis remind us that the very purpose of creation, beratious, for the purpose of Torah, for the purpose of the Jewish people, did God create the world. The Talmud Yuvamos 62b teaches that Rabbi Akiva had 12,000 pairs of students, and they died during this period of the Omer. And it's for this reason that the Shulchan Aruch, or Rechaim, in chapter 4, 
93, paragraphs 1 and 2, teaches that we have certain restrictions and some practices of mourning during this time to commemorate the loss of these students of Rabbi Akiva. The practice is we do not marry, we do not take haircuts for 33 days of the Omer. Parenthetically, this Sunday being Lagba Omer, so we don't have to wait to take haircuts this Sunday. One could take haircuts today, Friday, in honor of Shabbos that comes before Lagba Omer. Now, the Talmud in Yuvamos gives us the reason for this epidemic and the students dying in that Shalonogu Kovod Zeloze. They did not respect one another properly. Now, the Mesilas Yesharim in chapter 22 takes this most literally and accusing them of a lack of derecheretz, menschlichkeit, which is clearly a prerequisite for Torah, namely, derecheretz kodmola Torah. You need to have good character. And this is found as well in Pirkei Avos, chapter 3, Mishnah 21, whereby Rebbe Lezer ben Azariah says, Emein Torah ein derecheretz, Emein derecheretz ein Torah. Torah needs, as explained by Rabbeinu Yonah on that Mishnah, Torah needs a base kibble. Torah needs a receptacle with which it can be observed and it can blossom. And that receptacle is one that the individual has polished and refines their character and character traits. So is it not strange that the students of Rabbi Akiva knew of their Rebbe's teaching? Rabbi Akiva taught in last week's parasha on the verse you are to love your neighbor, your friend, as yourself, said Rabbi Akiva, this is a major platform, foundation of Torah. So how could it be that his students were deficient specifically in that area which was of primary importance to their teacher. I'd like to suggest a very novel and very important interpretation of the Shem Mishmuel. The Shem Mishmuel suggests that the two qualities, namely Ava, love, and Kavod, respect, do not necessarily stem from the same source, but rather, interestingly, 
they stem from very different sources. Ava, he points out, love comes from a unit which is a unit intact, a unit which is close. And so there's a natural affinity to love that unit. There is love within the family unit. They are connected one to another. And by extension, the Jew has the capacity to love each and every Jew. Avas Yisrael. I love every other Jew. Why? He's part of my past. He's part of my present. He's part of my future. Our history, our destiny, we are all connected through Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov in our past. We're all connected to and through Moshiach in the future. This is what unites us, and therefore the concept of love is understandable as we are all part of that one organism called Klal Yisrael. However, Kavod, respect, points out the Shem Shmuel, comes by noting the individuality of the next one. Not that they're being part of the group, but just the opposite. I respect that which the next person has that I don't have. That refinement of character, that manner in which he or she conducts themselves, which is of a higher nature than myself, that warrants me to give that individual respect. So love, once again, comes from our being part of one organism together, a family unit, a national unit, and respect comes from specifically noting the individuality of the next one. Says the Shemish Muel, of course they followed their teacher, Rabbi Akiva, but unfortunately they followed their teacher to a fault, and they put all the emphasis on Ahava, and as a result, they did not find it significant and important to focus on the individuality of the next one, and as a result, there was a lack of kavod one to the other. And therefore, comes along this period of time, and it reminds us how we dare not repeat the same mistake that they did. It's easy to love all Jews, as we mentioned before, but within the Jewish community and within the observant community, there is what you would call, and I don't necessarily enjoy the labels, but let's talk very openly. There is the modern 
Orthodox community. And there is what they call the Yeshiva Orthodox community and the Hasidic Orthodox community. And while we're all part of Klai Yisrael and we love each other, now is the time during Sphira to be honest and ask ourselves, is there that true mutual respect between the camps, between the groups? Are we constantly looking over our shoulders and saying, look how this group excels in this area, and maybe we should borrow, take some of the Avodas Hashem from this group and put it into ours, and so it is to take the best from each as opposed to, unfortunately, digging ourselves further and entrenching ourselves within our own and, forgive me, ignoring the individuality of really, we can say, Eim Bechlal Elamashevifrat. Really, it's the individuals which make up and comprise that importance which is going to be that role model for each of us. Hence, the importance of each individual. And therefore, suggest the shame Mishmuel that during this time of the Omer, we count days, says the Gemara, in Yevamo Samach Vav 66a, and we count weeks. The counting of days, he says, is a reminder to us of putting and looking at each individual, the Pratim, and the weeks are representative of the greater, larger number of the Klau. And it's this fusion of the two which is so important. And this was sad that the students of Rebekiva made that tragic mistake, and we dare not repeat this mistake. And therefore, just as the Gemara has in Samach Beis, at the bottom, Amid Beis in Yevamos, regarding the manner in which a man and his wife are ideally to live harmoniously together. Ohavo Kigufa, he's to love his spouse, the husband is to love his wife as himself, because when it comes to Ahavo love, they are one unit. Mechabda, when it comes to respecting her, Yoser Migufo, more than himself. Why? Because there he has to focus on her unique talents, on her unique character. Not only for what attracted them initially to each other, but to have this respect for her individuality, her uniqueness, and this is something which is so very significant and so very important. The Shemi Shmuel has a beautiful insight into our historical past, and I pray that it's going to help us look beyond any kind of divisiveness within the community, but Adaraba, to quote Reb Elimelech Milizinsk, we pray to Hashem that Tain Belibenu, that He should inspire us, Hashem, Shenirakol Echad, 
that we should see ma'alas chaveirenu. We should focus on and have kavod and have respect for the ma'alos, the positive traits of our friends in order to make the wholeness of our people not simply that one organism of the Jewish people as a whole, but recognizing the strength and the significance and the worth of each and every individual. Shabbat Shalom to all. JM in the AM, a rare opportunity to uh, live and uh, on the radio um, give a yashikach to Rabbi Yudin and speak with him on this great occasion today. Uh, the occasion, the release of his brand new book, Gateways to Greatness. Rabbi Yudin, of course, who has been the uh, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, uh, since 1969, and um, is with us each and every week. Uh, it is an honor to wish him a mazel tov on this amazing occasion. Rabbi Yudin, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. And a big yeshikach on Parshas Emmar and all the Parshios throughout the entire year. You know, Rabbi Yudin, I think it was, uh, I shouldn't say obvious, but I thought all of us could come to a logical conclusion when you wrote your first book, uh, why you wrote it and, and, and its purpose. It was uh, so many amazing and uh, incredible um, uh, ashiurim and discussions here that you had given over the years in the Parsha, and it was uh, released in book form, and it's an amazing, uh, an amazing collection that everybody can enjoy, and we certainly recommend it. Now you've written something called Gateways to Greatness, which is a uh, mosaic, mosaic oppressed Feldheim release just out this week. On this book, we can legitimately ask you, why'd you write the book? So, Nachum, I really believe that the book can probably be encapsulated into one word, growth. And that is that just as there's a natural tendency that each person always wants more in their life about themselves, a businessman is not satisfied with the way he did last year. We always want more, and this is something that God put into man, this drive for success. We have to have growth in our spiritual life as well. And this book, in different ways, shows how our Torah is so rich and so exciting that at all phases, stages in your life, you can have that growth and excitement. So be it your observance of Shabbos, be it your giving of Tzedakah, be it your Talmud Torah, it grows with you. So the... uh, point of the book, I would probably say, is that as I have been privileged to, I would hope, mature and grow in years, I see myself that my perspective on Judaism has grown significantly. I hope that this is a message that I uh, communicate within the congregation and then within the community. And I felt that our Torah is so rich that this can be shared with many, many more, and that both for beginners, I think it's a very good overview, as well as for people that are learned, there are over 350 footnotes 
citations to various uh, gemaras and uh, uh, books of uh, of learning that one can use it as an excellent springboard for further uh, understanding of a very special tradition. Rabbi Yudin is with us. The book is called Gateways to Greatness, Mosaic Oppress Feldheim Release. You've identified six gateways, belief, connection, knowledge, refinement, influence, and kedusha, and based, uh, kedusha meaning holiness, and based on what you just told us, uh, all of us can improve and can grow in all six of those areas. Correct. Uh, how does one do it? I know you have in each one of these uh, gateways many different chapters, and I guess we can call it pieces of advice. Uh, how is it that uh, you communicate this message? What what do you use to uh, come across in all of these areas to us uh, with the ways that we can go ahead and incorporate them in our lives? Well, I think that probably one of the major themes that goes through the book is that be yourself. Each person has talents, and each person has natural characteristics. Take those characteristics and develop them. Of course, we are to look to our leaders and emulate them and try to incorporate others. But first start by really looking into what you have and what you can accomplish. And I believe that this personalized relationship, which I believe goes through our past, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed his uh, personal relationship with each and every one of us. For example, Shavuos is coming. So the two million plus individuals stood at Sinai and heard the Ten Commandments, but they each understood it differently. It's incredible. Today we have the ability that you can sit at a public forum and you can put on a headset and hear the translation into many, many different languages. We had it first. What does that mean? At Sinai, each person heard the same thing but understood it differently based upon the understanding as to uh, capabilities as to what and whom they are. So just as at that time at Sinai, there was a personal revelation to each individual, the mun tasted differently and sustained. So you can say to yourself, this is all very nice in the past. What does it have to do with me? And I believe the answer is that you are that individual today, and God communicates with you. And the book will show how each individual could, should pause and reflect and see how he, Hashem, relates to you individually, and as such, how you can respond by, quote-unquote, making your relationship with him much deeper meaningful, and so too with all the people around you. So I think the personal connection is something which is very, very uh, important and probably permeates, you know, the entire book. And, uh, you know, in certain areas when it comes to belief, connection certainly, and Kedusha, uh, that might be very obvious to all of us that that's the effort that's being made to get closer to God and that we use those um, 
uh, the things you just described in order to do so. But even when it comes to knowledge, even when it comes to connection, whether it be through our tefillah, whether it be through our study of Torah, whether it be through just exploring the sources that you've included here, it's also an amazing opportunity to get closer and closer to God. Correct. So I, I find it exciting that um, both quoting from the Hasidic masters as well as from so many different sources, uh, as I just looked through uh, a few minutes ago, the footnotes, I, uh, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that uh, really we're gleaning from so many different parts and uh, to realize how rich our tradition is a great sense of pride as one goes through you know, the various chapters of the book and says, hey, I'm proud to be a Jew. Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, his uh, first book back in 2013 was Rabbi Benjamin Yudin on the Parsha, Mosaic Oppress, and uh, we highly recommend it. This new one is one we also highly recommend called Gateways to Greatness. Gateways to Greatness, Rabbi Yudin has just released the book this week, a Mosaic Oppress Feldheim release. Uh, you could search it online. You could find it and enjoy it. Again, it's Gateways to Greatness. Rabbi Yudin, we take this opportunity to wish you a very special Mazel Tov. I have a feeling that thousands of people are going to grow spiritually and in many aspects of our lives just from the words that you've written in this book. Thank you, my friend. And uh, once again, Nachum, I want to thank you personally for the opportunity on a weekly basis to try to show everybody how rich and exciting and relevant our Torah is. I greatly appreciate that. Okay, good job is my best friend. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Shabbat Shalom, Rabbi Yudin, and uh, continued success as Gateways to Greatness makes its way around the greater Jewish community. Rabbi Yudin's brand new book, I thank him for joining us live after his presentation regarding Parsha's MR on this Friday morning here at JM in the AM.
Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos. I want to again take this opportunity to wish a Mazel Tov to uh, Michal Hershorn and uh, Aaron Shapira. Mazel Tov to Elisheva and Dr. David Hershorn of Elizabeth and to Marilyn and Ralph uh, Shapiro down in Philadelphia. The wedding is this coming Sunday. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Mazal Tov to the honorees of the Young Israel Pesay Clifton Dinner. That's happening this coming Sunday. Mazal Tov and our best Rabbi Glaster and everybody as they get set to celebrate there. Um, what else do we have for everybody? Fundraising Marathon 2017 kicks off on Monday. Thank you to everybody who's already returned their envelopes with generous donations. If you haven't had an opportunity yet to donate, you can go now to the website, uh, fjbunity.org. That's Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org to contribute and be part of this uh, very special experience that we're able to give the world every single day. FJBUnity.org, and I thank you. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Emor with candle lighting at 743 in the New York area. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Sunday's Log Omer, and Sunday is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Mark Zamek, live lunch Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time today, part of the Kedem presentation of our Erev Shabbos music mix. Where? Right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Time to say good Shabbos. Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift It's way
say good job is Cause all your work is done Gonna spend a day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign Your candles will be burning, they'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course on our beloved NSN app. Want to remind everybody that Matis has an amazing JM Sunday scheduled at his coming Sunday morning log by Omer, Rabbi Emanuel Feldman, author of the 28th of ER, the dramatic day-by-day journal of an American family in Israel during the Six-Day War, originally written during the war and re-released in English for this, the 50th anniversary of Yom Yerushalayim. He, Rabbi Feldman, will be Matis's guest Sunday morning on JM Sunday right here at the Nahum Single Network. It all begins at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. On Sunday, coming up next, Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. Naomi this morning will feature Michelle Gindi of Buddha Bowls and Burpees and Chaya Suri Leitner of Spice and Zest. They are Naomi's guests coming up on a brand new Table for Two next here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Watch it at NachumSiegel.com and, of course, hear it on all 
of our platforms. Thanks for everybody who's donated to our fundraiser. We continue Monday morning with that for Fundraising Marathon 2017. Enjoy like Bomer. Happy Mother's Day. Have a wonderful Shabbos. A great weekend. Till next week, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.